podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 81 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with FanHub. Where the fans come first, and um, it's been quite an exciting week for FanHub with the, the app officially launching uh, in, the, in the last few days. And they, they're sort of slow rolling things, and there is a waiting list of around about sort of a thousand people at the moment. So it's doing really well. But we will have, as of tomorrow, uh, Wednesday at 10 a.m., we'll have a golden ticket for 10 people to be able to get on, onto the app, download it, and, and start using it as, as we've been doing for a little while ourselves. Interact with, with other Everton fans, pick your team for the game. All of our podcasts are on there. All of the fan media is on there. It's really exciting app. It's it's going to going to going to get bigger and bigger. So look out for that that tweet on on Wednesday morning at ten a.m. Um, it's been a busy few days for us as well as the app. We've linked off as an affiliate of the Terrace um, on they're on Twitter. We do a lot of a lot of fan merchandise. So if you're looking for your Everton mugs, there's bandanas there for for the dogs, t-shirts towels everything on the go loads of everything stuff look out for the tweets that we've put out as well in regards to getting a few bits from there um today pete's not with us uh, we, we can't say too much but he's, he's got a modeling gig down on uh, on crosby beach <laughs> with a pair of speedos that's all we can say more revealed in, in due course we look forward to seeing those those shots of the english peter andre in full flow um <laughs> But, but we're delighted to say we we've uh, we've virtually crossed the Atlantic to be joined by uh, an American blue, our second American blue we've had on the show after we had Jeff Warner on uh, a few months ago, um, and we're joined by by Garrett Post, contributor to to Grand Old Team. Um, Garrett, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. More than happy to be here. And we having a quick chat before we record about about why. You, you happen to support the Blues, so filling you know our listeners, you know, to, uh, as to how you got involved with watching Everton support and Everton and, and where you are now. Well, I'll keep it a little more brief this time, but uh, essentially, I've been playing football, you know, since I was five, basically my whole life. Um, but but I didn't really start watching um, any professional league whatsoever until uh, 2012. And the first Premier League game that I ever ended up watching was the the 2012-13 season opener for Everton uh, against United at home uh, against Goodison at Goodison rather. Um, and Marwan Fellaini scored a header off a corner and the rest is history. And there's, there's no better, no better way is there than to see the blues in a uh, full Goodison park. Fellaini at his best. He was, he was, Fellaini was one of my, one of my favorite players when he was there. Absolutely love Fellaini. I remember going to Wembley in 2009, full on Everton kit, short socks, Shirt, Flea 25 on the back, the wig. Now, bear in mind, we're exactly the same height as well. Similar build. Um, <laughs> I got stuck quite a, quite a few times by by a few uh, few Everton fans and got a, got a quite a few pints of beer thrown at me from my United fans on the, on the walk to, to Wembley. But um, 
yeah, Fellaini was fantastic. But it's it's strange yeah, I'd because say your, I'd say your facial structure is a little similar too. <laughs> similar, yeah. I'd probably say I'm better looking to be fair, but you know, we we, we can't have it all, can we? You know, um, <laughs> not quite the same, not quite the same footballing ability either, mate. No, I'm probably I'm probably slightly slightly better in the in the in the air, to be honest with you, um, as well. But no, but Marwan, if you are listening, the offer's open to come on the show at any time, any time you want to come on. But no, it's it's great for us to hear because the the, the Everton American community is vast, isn't it? You know, we recently saw over the last sort of week, ten days, the uh, the deal with Hummel, where Hummel has got involved with all, with a whole host of a. Uh, Everton American supporters club to supply merchandise, obviously shirts, taxi tops, the works for all them, and that must be great for yourself to see uh, that that going on and having such a such a big fan base over there. One hundred percent. I mean, it's great. Um, I unfortunately am not like quite integrated into any of the supporters clubs at the moment, just because I'm kind of moving back and forth between my my home back home and here. I'm in college here. But um, I, I, I love that Hummel have done that. It's, it's fantastic um, that, you know, there's a there's a big market here, untapped market, uh, not only for, for Evertonians, but just people who, who want to get into the Premier League. You know, it's growing every single year, getting bigger and bigger. And like, you know, I now have um, surprisingly like a, a really like a large amount of fans who, who uh, large amount of friends rather who are fans who, you know, support clubs. And we have like. I have an FPL league with a bunch of my mates, uh, you know, they sport, you know, Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, it, but it's, you know, it's mainly, you know, the traditional like big six. And so the fact that Hummel and Everton are, are like, even with like the advertising of, of the signing of James Rodriguez and whatnot in, in the U S the fact Everton is reaching out more, I think is really important because there's a lot of, you know, the fan base can grow exponentially here. Yeah, don't don't start me off on the on fancy Premier League, by the way, because he want to talk about how the fact he's he's top of our league, um, and he, he spends he spends his whole week researching, Twitter various Twitter profiles, reading articles about who should pick who. Honestly, it, it takes over his life. He's just yeah, jealous, mate. About, He's just jealous, man. <laughs> what what's your rank then, Lee? I think six thousand in the world, and that. Um, oh, okay. That's yeah. That's up there. I, I was, I was, I think the highest I've been this year is like 150k, which is pretty good for me. But uh, I'm having a stinker this week, so that's definitely going to go down. Yeah, Mike, Mike's about 4.5 million on you, mate. <laughs> I'm, I'm six, six thousand um, within the the area of Liverpool that I live in. That's how, how well I'm doing at the moment. Um, but I, I think I've gone for the civil captain this week. Uh, with a, with a, a double game week for for quite a few quite a few sides, um, so I've, I've thrown a triple captain in there. Um, I've still got to think of the, the wild card and bench boost to, to play, uh, but I'm just I'm just going to make a late a late surge. I think you know just just trying to get a bit of mid table obscurity, and you know go, go again for the uh, for next year. Start off every single week really really keen, and then gradually forget to do my team, and then we'll we'll say no more about that. Um, we'll get we'll get you in our podcast one uh, next year, mate. Oh, I'm please. I'd I'd be delighted. Oh, here's a question for you, Lee. Do you use reds though? Do you have no, copites in your in I'll your answer squad? That, answer that. I don't. So I don't. Neither do don't I. Use, I never will. I'm very rare to use Everton players to be fair because it, it tends to jinx them. So it's it's quite rare if I use an Everton player because I don't want to jinx them. But Liverpool players are are a no no. And if you if you're putting them in as an Everton fan, you're absolutely disgusting and you're the you're the yeah, worst of the you worst. Have a word. They, 
Yeah, he's more concerned with you know coming like six thousand in the country. That that's his main concern. No, in the country, in in the game, mate. No, but in, no. Gen, generally speaking, though, uh, uh, I did have a, a, a few in there up until recently, until they started playing absolutely shocking. But uh, to be fair, actually, the guy that won it, the guy that won it a couple of years ago, was a blue, and he won it the whole season without putting any Liverpool players in. So that that that's that. So you have no excuse, there. mate. That's what you have no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> Totally, guys. Totally, guys. So you, you you need to be changing your ways, Lee, and 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 be following suits because it's it's a it's a written rule that that's not allowed. So if you do happen to win our league, I think you you might be voided from uh, collecting any kind of uh, any kind of winnings and so forth. To be perfectly honest, um, yeah, it's but... the gi- giant asterisk, you know, just like <laughs> Liverpool's title last season. <laughs> Exactly, mate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dear me. Anyway, as I say, we literally could talk all night about fantasy, fantasy Premier League, but we we we'll move swiftly on, and no better place to start after obviously the the derby win last week. We were all euphoric. What 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 a great great few days. Well, a great week it's been since we won won the Merseyside derby, especially in in this city. It's been it's been absolutely tremendous, and the the only downside is we haven't been able to celebrate it with each other, so to speak. In a physical sense, um, but fantastic week on on Merseyside. I'm sure the same for yourself over there, Garrett. Really basking in the the glory of that particular win, and well, you know, I mean, it was the first time I I'd seen us beat them full stop, right? Because the last time we beaten them was was 2010, um, and I didn't start watching until 2012. You know, so I've been I've been waiting this whole time, you know, which is now somewhere around like 40% of my life waiting for us to beat them. And it finally happened and it was on their turf. And yeah, I, I, I was buzzing all week. That's, that's for damn sure. Yeah. That, I mean, it's one of those, we, we've been waiting for that win since obviously 1999 and it's, it's yeah. been a long time coming. Um, I was not alive. <laughs> I was not alive. <laughs> Unfortunately, well, well, fortunately, we were for that. But obviously, since then, it's been it's been a really difficult time. You know, not only going to Anfield, but obviously at home, like you said, twenty ten last time we got a win. But what we said on the back of that game when we when we recorded last week and we were looking ahead to Southampton, you don't want to waste the opportunity of, of picking up a two 0 win against Liverpool and then throwing it away and not getting three points against Southampton. So yesterday wasn't a particularly vintage Everton performance. It wasn't a particularly great game for the neutral. But Gareth, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you first. How important was that win yesterday to, to get it by, you know, by any means, basically? I, I think it was huge, to be honest. I mean, it, it, would there have been anything more Everton than losing yesterday on, on the back of doing something so ridiculous, especially this season, considering, you know, we've been excellent against the top six this year, which is, you know, usually... It's the exact opposite of, of what we do. But, you know, then we talk about Fulham and we talk about Newcastle at home and, and we talk about Newcastle on the road even. You know, we've we've picked up more points against teams currently in the top six this season than we have teams in the bottom six, which is a bit ridiculous. And Southampton, you know, bang out of form. They they had lost six of seven and drew one coming to the game. And one out of 24 points. And, and yet my only... My only emotion was just fear because I was like, this would just be the most Everton thing to do to lose this game. But, um, you know, clean sheet, three points. Yeah, it was a scrappy game. It it wasn't super fun to watch. I was, you know, my fingernails were pretty much non-existent by uh, the end of the 95 and a half minutes. I don't know where that came from, but uh, 
I think it was huge to, to build on that momentum. And, um, you know, if we win on Thursday and we win, I think that game against Villa in, in hand is going to be a huge game because, you know, they're right behind us. But if we win that, that propels us right into the top four there. So um, I think keeping that momentum, we've been so streaky this year, you know, a couple wins and then a couple bad losses. So trying to get some consistency, make a late season run, I think this was uh, a great way to start that. What, what were your thoughts, Lee? Because obviously we, we see the start 11 come out and we're all expecting to see the likes of Hammers, Tom Davis, who's performed well in, in recent weeks as well. We thought he'd, he'd be starting a game after eight days rest. And obviously we, we look at the side and there's there's no Seamus Coleman, Hammers, Tom Davis, uh, Olsen not in the squad, um, Fabian Delft, but the Fabian Delft hasn't been in the squad very often over the course of the last, the last season. Uh, Wait, he still plays for us? Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but when we see those, those four names not on the squad, and we see obviously there's, there's quite a few youngsters named amongst the substitutes, and you think, hang on, you know, this this game that we that we thought might be a little bit easier just got a little bit a little bit trickier. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd I'd say if you'd handpicked that midfield, um, certainly based on form and Allen coming back, you'd have had Davis in the six when you're sitting. Alan are a bit further ahead of him, harassing people like he does, and then Decore being that box-to-box midfield that we know he is. Um, so having Tom out, ironically, I mean, you know, you'd never have said that a few weeks ago, would you? Having Davis out was probably the most crucial there, really, uh, out of all those players you named, um, and possibly Hammers. But I don't think he would have started Hammers in this game anyway, just with the way Southampton play. They like to be quick and aggressive. They like to get in people's faces, um, and obviously, you know, Hammers, as we all know. Is absolutely delightful player, but is not known for his obviously work rate. So um, yeah, it was a bit surprising seeing that. But Carlo, obviously in his press, was saying there's no injuries, doing what he did to Klopp as well. You know, obviously playing a bit of a cat and mouse there in terms of who's fit and who's not. But um, look, take the points and run is my overall verdict really with that game. Take the points and run because when we come out of the Merseyside derby, like any in any sport, you want to play that next game like as soon as possible. And obviously we had the longest wait possible playing on, playing on the Monday. Um, and obviously look, we had a great week in terms of not just the result, but obviously the announcement of the stadium and everything else, Luca Dean's new contract. So it was gearing up and, and, and as Garrett just said then, you know, it would have been typical of Everton just to have thrown that sort of momentum away like we did against Fulham the other week. Um, but yeah, we'll come on to talk about it in more detail in terms of, you know, how it actually turned out. But, like I said, take the points and run in that game. Get the, get the victory. Get the victory, hopefully, in midweek. It won't be an easy game again. Um, they're on a little bit of a, a turn in form, West Brom. It won't be an easy game by any means. Um, but just do whatever we need to do to get those three points and get us into that top four and give us that momentum lift going into the last part of the season. I mean, the, the, the game the game started particularly well, didn't it? You know, we, we started them at the Merseyside derby quickly. Same man again, you know, uh, Richarlison. Great man, uh, great place. He's had an upturn in fortune and form, that's for sure. I think he's, he's scored five in his last five and, and three in his last three league games, which is fantastic. We've been saying for, for quite a few months now about getting him back to to a level of performance to, to take the, the pressure off, off Dominic Calvert-Lewin, basically, and get, get back amongst the goals. I think he's scored 11 now in all competitions, so it's, it's not a bad tally for the season, but we're used to seeing a Charleston, obviously, probably being double figures in the league at, at this particular point. But, guys, it was great to see Richard And If you look at that run, great ball from Sigurdsson, being there, be, being lively. And, and I, thought, I thought it was a great finish. And, and the finish for me has gone a little bit unnoticed. But the angle that he was on there, very, very acute and, and took it away nicely. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think um, he, he made that. That's not an easy finish, you know, touch with the, with the outside of the right boot, you know, that is a tough angle, but he, he made it look really easy. And that's why, you know, it didn't get commented about that much, but I mean, the timing of the run was perfect. And, and it's not even only Richarlison that's doing that because just a couple of minutes before that, you know, we had Decore to Calvert Lewin doing almost the exact same thing, just this from 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 right to left instead of left to right. But um, you can see that that's that's a directive. I think that's definitely something Ancelotti has has been you know telling them to do because you know we we win a knockdown, right? Comes to a player, someone makes the run like diagonal run across, and we we've gotten two goals from that in the last two games. Um, but yeah, just about Richarlison specifically, um, I have a stat here. You you said three goals in his last three league games. He had scored two in his previous 18. So uh, definitely an uptick in form, very much needed because, you know, we've been relying very heavily on Dominic Calvert-Lewin to find the goals for us. Um, and, you know, Richarlison, yeah, has, has been such a goal threat the last couple of seasons that, you know, it's really kind of shocking to see him just not getting much luck in front of goal, you know, other than just that, you know, goal against Leicester that perhaps Kasper Schmeichel should have saved. But um you know, really great to see him back on the score sheet and uh, back to his best. And, and, you know, he's really a player that, that works on confidence. And he did not have very much of that, even, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. But now he's finding the net, and, and I expect him to keep finding the net. Yeah, massive for us. I agree with that, mate. I mean, Carlo called him out the other week, didn't he, publicly as well, saying we need more from him. And he's right, because, you know, we are very reliant on Calvert-Lewin for goals. Uh, ironically, it almost helped him, Calvert-Lewin, having those few games out and he was playing a bit more central. Um, and, you know, to be fair, the goal against Liverpool, very similar run. Goal against, uh, obviously, uh, last night again, similar run. Timed it to perfection. Two very different finishes as well. Obviously, one great finish right in the side net and in the corner. And then he had the awareness to go around Fraser Foster last night. and uh, Or Fraser Foster, sorry. And that is a great finish. Great finish. Because all your weight's going the other way. You've got to wrap your foot around it. If you'd have hit that any softer as well, the defender would have cleared it as well. So... Um, it's, we need him scoring. I mean, he's, he's obviously in a bit of form now. Um, if he can keep that going and you know potentially get to what he got last two seasons, which is 13 goals in the league, if you can get if you can get around that between now and the end of the season, that could really push us into that. You know, hopefully top four. I mean, look, Carlo doesn't want to talk about it, but you know that's wide open. That fourth spot, especially, is wide open amongst all the teams fighting for it at the minute. It's. I mean, it's funny you should say that. I was going to come onto this a bit later about sort of Europe and top four. And I, I asked people on Twitter before we, we, we recorded it to sort of give us a, you know, a, the thoughts on the Champions League and, and is it possible? Now, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. You know, we've had a couple of good wins on the spin. You know, we, we've, we've been a bit inconsistent. Um, but, you know, we're in the mix. Make no mistake about it. Um, as we, you know, as we're going to come on to shortly, if we do happen to win the game against, against Brest Brom, we sit fourth. So we're, we're right in the mix there. But I said to, to you know to people, let, let us know your thoughts. Can we get fourth? Um, and a lot of people are, are saying are saying similar. But Matty, Matty Dillon, evening Matt, uh, on the show quite quite regularly, he said if we went on Thursday and put ourselves in the top four, even just for a couple of hours, it would be a massive psychological lift. If we can keep up our superb away form and rectify the home form, no reason why not. With our first eleven fit, we shouldn't fear anyone. Um, I think I think it's absolutely spot on. Anthony Child, um, top four is realistic. But at the moment, he's not expecting it, nor would he be disappointed if we missed out. He wants us to finish with, with at least 12 more points than, than last season. So that'll put us on 61. Is that we were 49 points last season with 61 points? 
I'm no lower than seventh. Um, but he said, you know, it's still a great opportunity and don't want expectations from the start of the season to, to be an excuse for us not to challenge for Champions League football. Absolutely spot on. Um, I think we had, we had Dominic Calvert-Lewin, didn't we, after the game? He's he spoken, and the first time really, that, that, that the players are starting to speak a little bit about it. And he said, you know, that's, that's where we should be. And so, you know, that's the attitude that you want to hear. That's where the club should be, fighting for the top four. Um, a few other comments before I bring the, bring the two of you in. Uh, we, we had on um, Matt Snape, uh, listener of the show, if the season was to finish today, we'll already see a much more attractive de- destination for potential players than before. One huge incentive, though, is the calibre of players we can attract depending on how high we finish. A big push is needed. So, you know, the, the talk on Twitter from our listeners anyway, Everton fans, you know, the, a lot of positivity on the back of these these two results. But what what, what, are, your, what are your thoughts, Gareth? Do you think, do you think Champions League is, is out of the question? Do you think we should... We should be talking about it, or do you think Europe is the best that we can we can hope for realistically? Uh, it's certainly not out of the question. Just like mathematically, you look at the table, it's very much a possibility. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. Um, I personally would be disappointed with, with finishing anywhere outside of the top six. I think the top six is where we should be finishing. I mean, we win our next two games. We've already equaled our points tally from all of last season. Um and and I really I really think that Europe, I mean the fact the 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 thought the thought about recruitment there uh, I think is is spot on. We we brought in four fantastic players this summer after finishing twelfth, right? So if we finish in the Europa League, we have European football, we have Carlo Ancelotti, we have you know this already really good uh, pool of talent in our squad. Um, there we could see some some big things happening this summer, especially. When you consider we're getting a lot of wages off the book with the likes of Walcott and Belasi, hopefully moving on Delph, fingers crossed, moving on Sigurdsson. Um, but and then especially if we sell Moise Keane, which, you know, would would bring in a, a pretty hefty sum. Um, I, I think finishing Europe, I think top six is is the minimum. Anything less than that would be disappointing. Champions League would just be, you know, the cherry on top. But that's the way that I'm looking at it. Yeah. Like, what are your thoughts? Because we, we said, didn't we, yeah, before we were speaking briefly about the, the psychological edge, which Matty alludes to. And that's a really big thing, isn't it? Because I was saying about us for, for quite a big portion, since we had a, a great start to the season, and then since then we've sort of dropped down, uh, at times being around mid-table, pulled ourselves back a little bit. But we've quite often been the ones chasing those above us and, you know, the, the European places we're, we're trying to get to. We've been outside, really, for quite for quite a while. Um, so how how important is it psychologically for us maybe to jump up to you know in, into the top four positions on Thursday and basically be be the team then that that other sides have got to catch? Yeah, it's a huge psychological boost. I mean, I've talked about it on the pod here before. You know, Leicester have done it last season. Look like they may even do it again this season. You know, it's it's that it's that mentality, that fear of losing rather than courage of winning. It's the fear of losing that that can that can actually freeze players. And you know, Leicester were the classic example of that last season, completely capitulated. And for me, we should have nothing to fear. I mean, Carlo has managed pretty much most of his most of his footballing career in the Champions League. You know, Hamas has already made noises himself about wanting to play in there with this team. He wants to be back in it. He's been playing it every season. You know, they those guys will be saying, "Look, there's nothing to fear about. We're playing in the Champions League here, guys." And most of the Everton lads, particularly the young lads, have not played in the Champions League. So you know, we should have no fear trying to attack that. I mean, I. 
the way it looks at the minute, obviously City are going to win the league for me. United, you know, they're very good going forward. I can see them definitely getting top four. Chelsea is showing a turn of form at the minute. Um, so, you know, that, that four spot, West Ham are there at the minute, for God's sake. I mean, I know West Ham have, you know, done all right this season, but, you know, they're not, they're not great shakes. You know, they're not great shakes. I, I would say, you know, we, if you're putting us up against them, we're probably the better team. I think we'd probably go further than them in, in the Champions League as well. So, um, yeah, for me, it's a big psychological boost, but the players have just got to give it everything, give it absolutely everything to try and get in there. The key is just we've got to stay injury free, haven't we? I know we've lost a key player in Allen for the last few get, last few weeks. The key is to try and keep our key players fit, um, and especially the, like you just mentioned it before, Mike Calvert Lewin, Richarlison. They need to be scoring goals. Though their goals will get us in into those into those places basically, because um, yeah, they're our biggest goal threats, and there's not many other players coming forward and scoring goals, are there? So we need those scoring. It just it makes me think of of 2016-17 under Ronald Koeman when you know we were we were comfortably ahead of everybody else in seventh but you know there was that gap between us and Arsenal in sixth and and we just could not bridge it you know we were comfortably ten points behind the top six basically the whole season that's not the case this year we need to take advantage of of the fact you know we're right in the mix and and with the game in hand I, again that's why I think that the upcoming game we we're not sure when it will be scheduled for yet but that game against Aston Villa. I think is going to be huge because they're they're kind of in a similar situation to us. They they have a game in hand on us even, and you know they're only I think t- two points behind or something like that. Um, I can check that real quick. They are four points behind us uh, mm-hmm. with with a, a game in hand, and um, so you know I just think the the opportunity is is there, and we really we need to take it. And um, I, I have faith that we may be able to. Yeah, if we keep players healthy, is is really part of it. Um, because you know the whole narrative this season's been about you know Liverpool's injuries, but um, we've we've had a lot of injuries too. Not quite to the same extent, obviously, but um, it, it's I think the fact that we've been able to, especially like in December when you know we had no Hannes Allen then uh, tore his hamstring, and we were able to still string together results. Just my hope is that now that we pretty much have the full eleven back bar, you know, Yerry Mina, um, you know, you look at our upcoming run of fixtures, and and there's a lot of points to be won there. There's a lot of points to be won. Yeah, we've got to be aiming for 65 points. I think 65 points will get us in the Champions League, potentially. That's what we've got to be aiming for now. Carlo will have that in his mind already. Um, but I think he knows himself. Look, if we get in it, it's a bonus. But, you know, in terms of building the squad gradually rather than trying to do it overnight, I think he'd much rather... Look, if he gets us in the Champions League, great. But he wouldn't be disappointed with put, you know having this team in the, in the Europa League either. And, you know, that next stage is, you know, it, that ladder, if you like, for want of a better phrase, is, is, is what he's looking for, isn't it? It's to gradually build the team, like we discussed the other week, like how he, how he gradually built that Milan team and turned it into a fantastic team. That didn't happen overnight. So, um, you know, fingers crossed that we can, we can certainly get European football as, as a minimum is what we need to be working for, isn't it? It's a logical stepping stone. You know, that's, that's the next step. You know, we've been out of Europe since... That God, that just dreadful 2017-18 season. I don't even want to think about it. Um, and we've been, you know, stuck mid-table basically. Then that's the next step up. You know, if we can go straight to Champions League, that would be that would be great. But um, I, I would not turn my nose up at Europa League whatsoever. I think that would be big, not only just for recruitment, also being able to keep some players who you know who who would potentially maybe be looking to move on or something. You know, I I think another finish outside of European places. Uh, could could be a bit of a momentum halter, you know. Totally agree. Totally agree. And it's going to be it's going to be certainly a, 
a really interesting last last thirteen games for us and and, and an end end to the season, you know. And outside of City, for me, I suppose you could argue Man United, but outside of City, for me, it, it, it's all up for grabs. And I keep on saying the same thing week in week out, but. Any side who wants to show a little bit of consistency and puts puts a run of wins together, you put yourself in a great position. And and why not us? You know, we we started as I say, Merseyside derby, Southampton another win. We started two on the spin. Why not kick on and and get you know a, a couple more? You know, and uh, and see where it takes us. It's probably it probably would be maybe a year or two ahead of Carlo's schedule. But you know, you, you've got it. You've got a dream. You've got you've and this is the season to do it. You know this. Uh, you know. I think fans are going to be back in. It looks like you know maybe the last couple of weeks of the season, which would be fantastic. You know, having ten thousand fans in the ground, you know, great, great, great to see that happening. Hopefully, so next season, by the time next season comes around, you'd hope then to be close to near to, to full capacity every single week, um, and that's when obviously you start to see home advantage. You know, go back to what it used to be, not having probably the the same kind of. Easier, easy run away from home where you haven't got the away fans obviously baying for blood, etc. So this is the time to do it. Um, but if we, if we could just jump back into to last night, because as I say, important to get the win. Started the game really well. Had a goal disallowed, you know, shortly after through through Michael Keenley. And that was what a lot of people uh, say was probably a bit of a turning point in the game because after we put that in and it was disallowed, the, the momentum sort of shifted, didn't it? And we 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 sort of retreated a little bit, and they they came back into the game. I thought pretty, you know, without really troubling us for the majority. But they they were pretty pretty uh, consistent with possession, weren't they? Yeah, they were. The game did sort of flip at that sort of moment, really. I don't know whether they thought, all right, look, it could have easily been two 0 there by half a yard. It'd been two 0 down. Let, let let's throw, let's throw it throw a bit at them. Um, and it was a good free kick, by the way. Um, very unlucky. I mean, Holgate a bit frustrating. Didn't have to go that early there. They clearly worked on that, and they with with um, with obviously David Ancelotti on on the set pieces. And it was a great ball from Luca Dean. Um, just holds his run slightly. It's it's two nil, and it's pretty much game over. Um, you know, Gary just referred to the form they were in coming into the you know the, the most out of form team in the league, uh, struggling for confidence. And what I liked in this game compared to when we played uh, Fulham and, and, and Newcastle, especially recently, we started on the front foot. We were pressing high up the pitch. We weren't giving them time on the ball. We were, you know, creating a few half chances. And then I thought, right, look, get, got the goal. Let's try and get two or three now and let's just put this game to bed. And then after that point, like you said, it just seemed to be, I don't know, a combination of them maybe sort of being a bit more attacking. But I thought it was us again, just like, like we said on previous podcasts, Mike, just dropping too deep and then and reverting to that counter-attacking style too easily. And, and and I don't know whether that's a conscious thing from the manager, a tactical thing to say, look, let's just drop. But it's also like, you know, we've, we've had loads of success playing that way, particularly against the better teams. Look, we've beaten Liverpool, we've beaten Spurs twice, we've beaten Arsenal, we've beaten Chelsea, uh, we drew with United. So, you know, playing that way, you have the ball, we'll sit off, we don't, we don't want possession, we'll counter you. But against these so, so-called sort of weaker teams, particularly teams that are out of form, you know, I, I'd rather just play more front foot football and, and and really have a go at them. And like like I said to you, and I text you halfway through the games, look, there's, if the crowd were there, there's no way we'd be retreating here. There's no way because the crowd would be forcing the team forward. I think we probably would have won that game two or three nil quite easily. Um, so it was a little bit frustrating. It was a little bit frustrating that we reverted to that type of football and gave them a little bit of momentum. We didn't really need to. Uh, look, they've got some dangerous players. Ings, you know, uh, got a bit of pace out wide. 
Gineppo, obviously, and, um, and uh, Redmond, both both quick players. But we just allowed them back in the game far too easy, didn't we? And then the second half, again, similar sort of pattern. We just seemed to just drop off and try and pick them off. Um, and that's why we were all biting our nails, mate, I think, uh, at that point. Because you just don't like to see teams trying to see see the game out in that fashion. And look, Jordan Pickford, he's had, he's had his detractors, but he, he effectively won us the game at the end, didn't he? Totally, yeah, totally right. And we'll, we'll, we'll discuss Carlo's tactics in, in a little bit more detail shortly. Um, you know, and, and look at maybe the reasons behind why we why we seem to go into that particular way of, of setting up um, during particular games. But like you say, I mean, you know, it was a game where we could have really won it two or three nil. The if we would have been a little bit more maybe bolder going forward, uh, taking the game to them. You know, just just trust ourselves with the ball at our feet, and you know, knock the ball around, um, and and find find those gaps. Um, but mo- but most certainly, you know, Jordan Pickford is is looks like he's turned a bit of a corner. Great 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 performance in the Merseyside derby. And we said this last week. I thought he was absolutely exceptional in the derby, and probably a handful of games this season when I can really say hand on heart, Jordan Pickford has been exceptional. I thought Spurs first game of the season he was very very good. The Merseyside derby he was good. Last night I thought he was good. That save was 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 fantastic. Won us the game, arguably. A little bit soft for for a couple of those those late those late corners. You, you could argue. Um, I think he got hurt, didn't he, with the last one because he, he hobbled off at the end of the game. Now whether he makes he makes Thursday remains to be seen. But that that's quite frightening really because if he doesn't make it and Olsen's got a bit of a knock, that means that yeah, Virginia's going to be in goal and, I, and I'm I'm on the bench. So it's a bit of a frightening prospect, really. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but last we, time you we, played we see... at Goodison, mate, you had a great game. Second time round, yeah, I, I, I went to penalties, didn't it? And I, I, I saved the uh, the final penalty to win the game. So that was a retribution for Pat Van Den ruining my first experience of playing at Goodison. Um, <laughs> but we won't. We, we just got this already on a previous podcast. We won't, 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 uh, won't go there again. Um, but yeah, Jordan Pickford, good save. Pretty solid performance. He said, it was nice to see him speak actually after the game. Everton put a video out. I think it was the uh, this morning, and it was a, a good sort of four four and a half minute chat with Jordan Pickford because very rare we we sort of hear Pickford speaking in front of the camera, and he sort of saying himself. I think you know, yeah, I've I've probably picked up a little bit. Um, he seems a little bit more confident. He said he was utilised more with his feet. Against Southampton, I thought he, was, I thought his distribution was absolutely fantastic at times. Yeah, some was, of the passes he was, was playing was like that first season with Jordan Pickford, wasn't it? Um, some, some, some great, some great long passes from him. Um, and he said, you know, he was more, more being utilised for that side of his game as opposed to his, his goalkeeping side. But he's got to be switched on, and and that's what he gets paid for. But uh, what are your thoughts on on Pickford, Gary? Because we've discussed him at length on on various podcasts, and like any of our players, we want them to succeed. Of course, we do, and we think it's a bit of a weak spot. If we're going to look to improve in the summer, that's probably one area that we need to look at to cut to go out and go and get a top, top draw goalkeeper. What what are your thoughts on the goalkeeping position at the moment? I mean, I agree with basically everything you said. He's such a hit or miss goalkeeper. And he's he's almost a bit like Richarlison, where where the fact that, you know, he's his performance I think is is very much impacted by his confidence, which it's not exactly a quality that you want in a goalkeeper, right? A goalkeeper is you want them to be steady and consistent. And that's not really what we get with Pickford. But the thing is that when he's at his best, he's brilliant. And we saw that in 2017-18, he was our best player. Um, 
And yeah, with, with the distribution last night, yeah, he was great. Um, and we know he has that ability. He's done it, you know, for England and he's done it for us. But, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's there and sometimes he's shanking it out of play, you know, in, into the Bullens Road every five minutes or so. But, um, you know, you'd want him to reach the kind of consistency that, you know, Ederson, I think, is probably the best goalkeeper in the world with the ball at his feet. You know, you could probably put Neuer up there, too. But um, I, I personally think, you know, I, I, if Pickford can put together a really, really strong run of performances at the end of the season – I'd be okay with maybe taking our chances, but I agree. I think it's, it's somewhere that we need to strengthen. Um, and, and I think that if we really want to kick on into the Champions League, we can't have a goalkeeper that makes as many errors as he does, you know, regularly. So um, willing to give him a, you know, last chance for the, for the end of this season. But I think it would take something really, a really spectacular run of form to convince me that that isn't an area that we should look to be strengthening in the summer. Yeah, yeah, and and obviously, I'm I'm sure I'm sure Carlo is is uh, is is well aware that he's he's rotated his goalkeepers quite often this season. He's he's been quite keen to give Olsen his you know first year games and another another goalkeeper who you know at times I think he's looked he looked very very good. Other times, not so good. Um, so I don't see I don't see either particularly being the the goalkeeper of a future Carlo Ancelotti team. No, of a, yeah, no. a successful successful Everton team but we'll see what happens obviously in, in the summer but as I, you know last night's win was massive it was important it was scruffy it was scrappy it wasn't great uh, but at the end of the day all you know you, you play football to win and you win by by any means and it was it was great to to keep that win going but I want to discuss in a bit of detail alluded to it about five minutes ago about the tactical side you know not only last night but we've seen it in other games as well where we we sort of retreat within ourselves and, and we, we we play quite a conservative brand of football and and the question is lately you said said before about you know if, if there were fans there against against Southampton you know would would we not so much allow it but you know would, would the players play that way if there were fans fans were there um, and and do you think maybe that the reason why we do it. It's because Carlo hasn't, hasn't particularly got full trust in the, in the whole squad to to play more expansive and be a bit more open. Do you think that might be might be a reason behind it? Yeah, I genuinely think I genuinely think it is. I genuinely think it is. I think if you look at the uh, the start of the season when we obviously won seven out of seven in all comps, we were playing attacking football, we were scoring goals, we conceded a few, but we were scoring goals, um, and we were blowing some teams away. Um, when teams started figuring out what we were doing with James, particularly on, on that 4-3-3 and him coming in off the right side, they started exploiting that, didn't they? His defensive side, you know, his defensive weaknesses. So I think Carlo then, with, combined with a few injuries, uh, reverted to obviously a typical Italian way of playing, being hard to break down, uh, you know, almost being a little bit conservative, giving up possession of the ball. Um, and, and, and to be fair, that, that's the reason why we won that difficult run of fixtures in December, you know, playing that type of football against difficult teams. You know, and as fans, look, even if fans were there, if we're playing Man City or we're playing a team of that sort of level, where who, you know, who, who, let's be fair, have got better players, they're further down the track than we are, they're going to keep the ball all day, then that's fine. We don't mind playing that way, you know, and we've won games playing that way. The frustration is, I think, if we're going to be really picky as fans, is, is when we're playing the weaker teams. You know, we've, you know, Garrett referred to it before, we've had more points off the top six than we have against the bottom six. So even well, if we well, picked up... coming into this game, now that's not the case. But coming into the game, we did. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, but either way, we, we've 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 thrown away points we shouldn't have done this season. Hundred uh, percent. 
against teams like, you know, we've lost to Newcastle home and away. I mean, that's unforgivable. Newcastle, that's one of the worst teams I've seen in the Premier League in a long time. Um, and we, we've thrown, we've thrown away, we've thrown away points there. So um, I think what Carlo's doing is that he, he, he is, I think it is tactical. I think we went one nil up there. He didn't instantly go, right, let's drop. He, you know, we started a few more chances after that. We had a few chances from a couple of set pieces. But then after that, we, we created very little. Um, and, you know, if, if, if Vestergaard would have scored that goal at the end, albeit it would have been a fortuitous goal, how it felt to him, can you imagine this level of fume amongst Everton fans there going like, why are we hanging on against a team that have literally lost six out of the last seven games? You, know, um, you, you get a second goal and a third goal there, you could win four or five even because, you know, their heads have gone. So, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a bit frustrating in that respect. But you alluded to it before, mate. You know, the Italians just love that type of football. You know, a 1-0 win for them is better than a 5-3. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, look, the main thing is we got the win. But the slightly frustrating thing is, as I said, we are reverting back to that sort of thing. We played with a diamond again yesterday. Um, and, you know, it kind of worked in patches, didn't in others. Um, what I did like, and with this adjustment we've made slightly recently, is Richarlison is drifting in centrally again, so he is he is making those runs, uh, and obviously got the goal through do, through doing that. Um, so there is a slight tactical uh, tactical shift there, but yeah, it's it's just a little bit frustrating. And even and even the subs last night, we were crying out for a couple of subs. I mean, you got oh, the subs on you know, obviously late, but um, a Wobie for me should have been on earlier for either Sigurdsson or or, or Gomez really. Um, and you know, when he did come on, to be fair, he did well. So showed some good feet, held the ball up, wasted a bit of time. Um, <laughs> they, were, they were very late in the day. And you have to question yourself. I said to you boys yesterday as well, I mean, Josh King, I mean, does the manager rate this kid? I mean, he, he obviously, he's, he must be fitter now. He's obviously had spent a lot of time training, but the guy came on for two minutes yesterday. Um, so he clearly doesn't rate him for me. I consistently don't quite understand why Carlo waits so long to make his substitutions, especially... You know, this might take you by surprise, but Andre Gomez has actually covered uh, the fourth most ground per 90 of any midfielder in the league, which you, which would yeah. surprise you. But, I mean, he, he works hard, and he gets gassed by the end of games. Like, you can you could see yesterday. I thought Andre Gomez played really well yesterday. His range of passing was, yeah. was fantastic. But um, th- those subs should have been made sooner. I think Sigurdsson is not a player that helps you close out a, a, you know, a close 1-0 match like this that's not kind of the player you want on the pitch. You either want someone who's going to work hard and, you know, disrupt whatever the other team's trying to possess or, or a team or a player that is uh, useful in the counterattack. I don't think Sigurdsson is really either of those. Um, but going back to just the tactical thing, I, I have quite a few thoughts about it because I think the fan, you know, uh, no fans does play a huge part in it. I, I don't think Ancelotti would be looking to do it so much because I think he know that it wouldn't really fly. Um, but I think the fact he's taking advantage of it just to play devil's advocate is it's been working really well. As you say, like those run of fixtures um, in, in December. But the thing is that we've been scoring a lot of early goals. Like if, if you look, we've been we've out of the uh, out of the 13 wins that we have this season, we've scored first in 12 of them. Um, and so we, we score first and then, you know, we kind of naturally sit back because, yeah, we were conceding kind of a lot of goals the first you know half of the season so far um give or take um but when we concede first we've we've won one which was against West Brom the reverse fixture um you know when when we conceded that early goal to to Grady and Ghana um we we have three draws which was the the home derby uh at Turf Moor and at Old Trafford and then we've lost the other seven so I I I can I kind of understand why Ancelotti is doing it 
um, especially with those those injuries. But um, it'll be really interesting to see how we line up against West Brom because they average, you know, 40% possession a game. Um, so I expect us to have more. We, we've actually only had more possession than our opponents in three of our 13 victories, um, which is an interesting stat. But um, I, I can understand why Ancelotti is doing that. I can, I, like, yeah, I agree. It's a bit frustrating to watch. It's not, it's not great, but the results are there at the moment. Um, so I think next season when we hopefully, you know, have close to full capacity, fans on the ground, um, it won't be happening, but it, it's really practical. And yeah, I think it, it fits the, the Italian MO of football manager. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's important not to be not to be critical. As I say, it's not, not about obviously slating what, what the manager is doing um, because it, it's effective at the end of the day. So football is about, about winning games. So, you know, you, you can you can be top of the this so-called entertainers league and be involved in games with the most goals. If you're going to finish 12th, 13th, or, or even worse, there's absolutely no point. There's going yeah, to be an aim at the start of the season. Exactly. Leeds, you know, and I know we had the discussion at the start of the season, Leeds, didn't we? You, you were quite impressed with Leeds and when they came off and was it when he played at Anfield in that uh, that first game. And I sort of said, you know, if the, you can't go the whole season playing how Leeds play. And they're coming a bit unstuck, aren't they, now, Leeds? People are sort of working them out a little bit. Yeah, they've got some real, they've got some real quality there. You know, likes of uh, Rafinha looks looks a real, real talent. Um, Bamford's banging the goals in. You know, a player who, who couldn't score. Um, it was like depending on it a couple of seasons ago. Um, they, they've got quality there, um, but you know they, they they play a particular way, and it leaves them wide open at times. And it's no good being like that and finishing below mid table or worse. You've got to have, I mean, for us, you've got to have that aim of European football. You've got to be effective. You've got to win games. Like you said, you know, the, the bulk of our games that we've won, we've had we've had uh, less possession in the opposition because that's how Carlo wants to set us up. That's how he thinks. With the players that we've got, that's that's what's going to work. And and for me, it is it is a, definitely a question of trust. And that probably links into the subs at times as well. If, if he had a full squad to pick from last night, you probably see subs made a little bit earlier, to be perfectly honest, I think. Um, when he hasn't got a full squad to pick from, he, I don't think he, he's got 100% trust in certain players to, to do a particular job, to, to obviously to see to see a game out. And and that, that certainly creeps into how we set up from the starting games as well. And he, he'll probably tell you, if we get a goal ahead, he's quite happy to sit, to sit there, let us see a game out, you know, be defensively strong. Which again, I thought last night we, we were. I thought the back four yet again, you know, from Luca Dean, uh, Michael Keane, Ben Godfrey, and Mason Hoggy all had you know very strong games. Uh, we trust we trust ourselves to defend set pieces. You know, we we've got a, a fairly big team there. We've got a you know David Ancelotti works very very hard with that side of, of our game, both in, in an attacking and a defensive sense. And that's one thing. If you go back at you know a couple of seasons ago, how poor were we? In defending set pieces, we were absolutely terrible. Whereas now we've got a system which which seems to work. But I think the only way that we start to see a shift and we do become, you know, quote, quotation marks more entertaining, if you like, and play a, a a more attractive brand of football, is when Carlo brings in and, and Marcel Brands brings in uh, more players that day that they trust more quality. And that's when we're going to see a bit, a bit of a change. But for the time being, you know, yeah, it's definitely worthwhile pointing out that 
there's there's something not not a miss, so to speak, but something uh, you know as to why Carl does play a particular way. But that will change in time, and we just need to be a bit patient with that to sort of see the Carl put his true stamp on on our style of football. Yeah, I think just you referring. Know, oh, sorry, oh, go ahead. Lee. No, I was going to say. Right, sorry, right, sorry, mate. Right, right back. <laughs> Yeah, we need an attacking right back. That will definitely address things. You know, at the moment we've got more defensive side of things. A, a quick winger, you know, someone like a Rafinha type playing off that side, cutting on his left foot. Again, I think we'll be looking to sign a quick winger, quick direct winger in, in, in the summer as well. Those sort of players will make a difference, uh, definitely to this team. Um, I can't see his signing Josh King unless he has a complete upturn in, in form between now and the end of the season. The manager clearly doesn't think that much of him. If he thought that much of him, he would have started against Fulham the other day and he didn't and he played Sigurdsson yeah. in that position for God's sake. So that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. So, so uh, I, I, you know, maybe you know, Brands is uh, agreeing that contract was it was a great move again. We're not signing for two years. We've signed him for six months. Have a look at him and then, you know, we're not, we're not going to lose any money on him at all really in that respect. So, it's frustrating. Um, you know, we're conceding too many set pieces and corners for me. We conceded 12 again yesterday. We conceded 15 against Spurs the other day in the Cup. Um, you know, these guys, you know, look, someone like Ward Prowse is one of the best deliverers of a, of a set piece in the whole league. You know, he's got Beckham-esque delivery with his, with his, with his, uh, with his, set, with his dead ball play. And, and you, know, you know, we defended well last night. We won a lot of first headers from corners into that and free kicks. So, yeah, credit where it's due there. But, look, we don't want to be conceding stupid free kicks and corners, too many corners playing that way either, because eventually you will get undone. Uh, and that's happened to us, you know. It happened to us. You know, who was it we played, Mike, recently, um, where we considered two set pieces? Um, that was Spurs. That, that was Spurs, Spurs at home in the cup. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, the, you know, we don't want to be conceded too many set pieces for me. And 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 I don't mind us riding out games and seeing out games, but also at the same time, you know, towards the end there, they could have easily nicked an equaliser. So, um, look, Carlo knows better than all of us put together. He's been there. You know, he clearly thinks that this is the best way for me to see out these games and get the points in. And more often than not, he's won his games this season purely on his tactical nows. I mean, you know, even the little tactical switches he made against Liverpool the other day, you know, that's just, that's experience management. You know, the little the little things he did to shut down Robertson, you know, with Coleman man marking him and things like that. We, yeah. you know, that that's just class management, you know. And and he did that and, and we, we, we got the rewards in that game. So we're not knocking him. He's just, just basically saying, look, when the, like you said, Mike, when the fans that you hope will have full capacity in next season, when the season starts, there's no way on this planet when we play Fulham, Newcastle, the likes of Southampton, that we'll be sitting off these teams and letting them have the ball. I can guarantee that. Totally. And, and like, just in terms of, like, the pragmatism that Carlo has, I mean, we did concede a lot more, you know, corners and, and free kicks than I would have liked, but Spurs game aside, I think that was a bit of a, an anomaly. That that like deep line that we've been holding has been extremely effective. You know, they had ten corners yesterday. The you know that Vestergaard chance, which was you know fortuitous after two blocked shots and a deflection, was the only thing that really came of them. Um, I guess Sally Sue had that one header that you know didn't really come close to troubling Pickford at all. But I mean, I think another reason that that Carlos is comfortable with us seeing games out like this is that we're physically very dominant. Um, Yesterday, we won 38 aerial duels to Southampton's 14. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of tall players. And uh, I just think I, I would be a lot more comfortable with us playing this way if we were a little bit better at capitalizing on our chances. The fact that we didn't score from a set piece yesterday is, is almost criminal be, because of the amount of chances we had. 
because of Southampton holding that high line, which, you know, just was not working at all. We had runners every single time. And you referred to it earlier, Lee, that, that Mason Holgate, you know, the disallowed Michael Keane goal was really frustrating because Holgate did not need to go early there. He had the whole penalty box at his, at his mercy, you know, and on every single set piece, he was on the back post there completely unmarked. Um, and, and the fact that we weren't able to capitalize on any of those, you know, just made it that much more difficult. If we get, a, if we get that second goal, you know, I don't have a problem with us playing that way in the second half. No, of course. Yeah, and totally agree. The second goal is so pivotal in, in all games. We, we, we always, we've said it time and time again with us, you know, get the second goal. Let, let's relax. You know, let, let's, let's, let's enjoy the game. And it's, you know, with us quite often, we find that we, we can't sit, sit there and relax and enjoy the football because you're constantly on edge. You're thinking what's going to happen mm-hmm. the longer the game goes on getting towards the end of the game, you know, we're, we're going to concede and that's, that's, that, that's going to come, you know, as I say, the, the, the brand of football we're playing now is effective. It's not great on the eye at times, but it's, it works with the, with the players that we've got, but, you know, make, make a few, a few changes to, to that side, a bit more quality in there. We will see, see the brand of football, the brand of football change, that's for sure. Uh, but, but it's a great point to, to pick up in regards to how we're going to set up you know, with the West Brom game um, this this coming Thursday, you know, we've said already how, how big that game is. We say it time and again, if, you know, about the next game being the most important. But this game is really, really pivotal, I think. And we said already about the psychological side of things, about getting to the top four um, and, and being being the, the side to actually be chased down now as opposed to be chasing other teams. But we, um, we, 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 we meet up with our our old friend in inverted commas, the uh, the Count of, of Monte Bisto, um, Sam Allardyce. Um, I can't I can't wait I can't wait to to see Sam and and hear what he's got to say. I think he's already sort of crying it in, isn't he? Saying about he wasn't happy uh-huh. with the Premier League and, and switched the game. The fact that they played Saturday and we play Monday and we've got less <laughs> less, less days to prepare and rest and so on. And he says, no, the excuses he, are already so, coming out. Uh, it was incredible. He's gonna have to make changes apparently because because of this. He's just just incredible. But um, it's a game, you know. We we, we said it with with Southampton that we sh- we should be going there, Garrison, and win the game. No doubt about it. How comfortable I, though it's going to be is is the question. I mean, he, I've got some stats for you. Just you know, I'm probably going to end up jinxing it this way. But but listen to this. They've conceded 55 goals this year. They have a negative 35 goal difference. Um, they've, so 55 goals is the third most among any club in Europe's top five leagues, only behind Schalke and Crotone in, in Italy. Um, the last time we lost at the Hawthorns was in 2012. Um, our aggregate score against West Brom in the last 10 games is 17-8 to eight to Everton. Um, and they have not beaten a team in the top half all season. Um, and so everything is telling me that we're not going to win. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we have to be expecting a win. And, and I'm hoping that James will play um, because we saw he absolutely tore them to shreds in, in the reverse fixture at, at Goodison. And, you know, obviously their tactics have changed. Um, you know, Big Sam plays how we know Big Sam plays. It's We talk about Ancelotti being pragmatic, you know, and Allardyce is basically the physical embodiment of, of football pragmatism. So, um I think we will have more of the ball just, just by virtue, despite the fact, you know, we've, we've been averaging 47.6% possession in games, which I think 
that's actually a little bit higher than I would expect it to be. But West Brom, you know, 40.2%. They've been just, there's no other way to put it other than dreadful. Um, and, and I don't know if you guys watched their game against Brighton, but there's no way that they should have won that game. You know, Brighton had tons of chances. They had two penalties that they hit the woodwork with. I think if, if we, like, obviously I'm sure Carlo will be, will be telling the players, you know, don't take this for granted. We can't make the same mistake that we made against Fulham and Newcastle. But, you know, our, our waveform has been just simply spectacular this season. Um, I think it's, what, now eight unbeaten on the road, which is, you know, unheard of for this club. Um, it's usually the almost exact opposite. You know, Goodison's been a fortress for so many years. We've relied on it for so many years. Um, and, and now it's just not the case. So, you know, all the signs are pointing to we should be winning this game and we should be winning this game comfortably. And, and a performance, you know, I'm okay with, with Southampton with that performance. I'm okay. We, we found the, the three points. We got the win. We sat back. I don't expect that to happen on Thursday. I think we should be going at them because – just simply put, they're a dreadful side. They just really are. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, they're in, in no great, great position, are they? They're, they're sitting 19, 17 points, like you say, minus 35 goal difference, by, by far and away the worst goal difference in the league. Um, if they want to try and get out of the, the relegation zone, they've got, they've got nine points to, to claw back on, on Newcastle. Um, for, you know, even full up above them, a six points clear of them as well. So they got a they got a big a big task ahead of them now. It all depends how their players, though, I suppose, approach the game mentally. Because sometimes when a side sort of knows they're down and, and think that they can't get out of it, they relax a little bit more and they start to, to play slightly better football. I mean, if you look at West Brom in in recent weeks, obviously we saw they they won the game against Brighton at the weekend. Before that, I thought they were unlucky. I watched the game against against Burnley, um, and I thought they were a much better side. And they went down to ten men as well, and they were they were still the better side. Drew that game nil nil, drew uh, against United uh, one all, and then it was it was before that really where they would you know they were losing City points. Sheffield United have beaten them. I mean City put five past them, West Ham beat them, uh, Arsenal put four past them, Leeds put five past them. Um, they got a draw at Anfield, but as we know, Anfield is no longer at the forces that it that it once was. Um, but they they haven't been a, a great side, and I always thought that the the sacking of of Slaven, but this was a little bit strange. I really did. Obviously, something's happened behind the scenes there because I thought he was he was a much better manager to sort of try and get them through a difficult period than than bringing in um, old Sam Allardyce to <clears throat> to steady the ship, and it looks like Lee. That Allardyce could be the uh, it could be his first relegation on his uh, on his CV. Let's hope so, mate. Let's hope so. Couldn't stand him when he was a manager of <laughs> manager of our club. I absolutely hated him, but never mind his style of football. Just the way he came across, just an arrogant guy, wasn't he? Um, yeah. But no, um, yeah. I think you know it's, it's, it'll be an interesting game. As I said, it won't be a walkover. We should we should but we should have more than enough for them. But you know, it's these sort of teams where we've had to sort of like you know take charge of the ball where we've struggled a little bit. Um, yeah, we we had a good game against them at Goodison, and, and we won comfortably. And I, I do hope Hammers is playing as well. Actually, I can see. You know, we talked about the late subs in the last game. I think he did have one eye on on Thursday as well. So I can see the likes of Awobi coming in as well from the start, and a few others. Um, so it will be interesting to see how he lines up. Um, they did get very very lucky against Brighton. I mean, Brighton are just they're not a bad team on the eye at all. Brighton they just can't score goals. You know, they had seven over 70% possession in the, that game and three times as many shots and they still couldn't win. 
Um, I mean, the referee was an absolute shocker when he Lee Mason for that goal, but that's mm-hmm. another story, isn't it? But um, mm-hmm. but no, um, you know, we, we we should have more than enough from them. And, and like Gary just said, there we need to we need to attack them. We need to attack them from the start. We need to start how we did against Southampton. Get try and get the early goal. You know, if we put this team under any sort of pressure in terms of you know trying to press them, they'll give the ball away. Um, there's no doubt about it. They'll give the ball away. What I do, you know, I don't hope we do is 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 you know allow them to sort of come on to us um, and 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 start in that manner. Hopefully we won't. Um, hopefully we will press them from the start, even though we have got a few days rest, uh, less rest. And they have got bits of talent. You know, Dean Garner's been a good signing for him. He's starting to you know show a little bit up front. He'll be a threat. We'll need to deal with him. He's physical. We need to deal with him. Man, that Pereira. I mean, Mateus Pereira is far too good to play for them. Um, He's he's been he's been a good signing. Um, he's showed him flashes. He's, he's definitely a Premier League standard player. So we'll need to keep an eye on him as well. But look, if we if we play like I said on the front foot and have a go, um, we we could run out you know reasonably comfortable winners for me. But we have to start fast and we have to start aggressive um, and, and match their endeavour because they're going to be up for it. You know they'll still have the outside chance of trying to stay in the league and and, and sort of having a go. Almost like you know, sort of we've got to we've, we've got to attack teams and try and win anyway. That that's their mentality now, isn't it? So we'll see, we'll see how it plays out. But it's a big, big game. We win this, go forth, even if it's moment, you know, on a, a short term basis, we win it, and then we that Villa game. I think Garrett's going to be. They haven't announced it yet, but I think they will arrange it for next week. Potentially, that's a lot of the rumours are saying it's going to be next week, and hopefully it is because hopefully Grealish should still be out, and they're obviously that would struggling. Be fantastic. For, Exactly. So they're struggling for form a little bit last few games. So, yeah, for me, we should have more than enough for them, Mike. Um, but we've got to start on the front foot. Yeah. And, and you look at their, their strengths, just just real quick, because they brought in that striker, Diagne, um in yeah. January. And he's a physical player, and, and their goal against Brighton was from a corner. So if we if we do this the basics right, you know, if, if we – can defend the set pieces. That's basically the only chances that, that they're going to have. Um, if we can defend that well, and, and if our quality in the final third shows up, which is, you know, I think James is, is you know, it, they're going to sit deep and we're going to need a player to unpick that lock. And if you're looking at anybody in, in our squad to do it, it has to be James. And so that's why I'm honestly, it, I was surprised at, at, you know, when the team sheet was announced last night that James didn't play. But the more I thought about it, the more it made sense because I think we want him to be at his best because, you know, if he plays well on Thursday, I, I just don't see how we don't win this game. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was a bit of a rumour going around Twitter at one point about, about potential, um, potentially COVID being the reason why these players weren't playing. But I can put it to bed now that Seamus Coleman and Tom Davis have both at the ground last night. Um, yeah. So obviously... Carlo was saying, wasn't he, that they just just minor little niggles and he didn't want to take a chance. We've seen it quite often this season where players have picked up little things and with the games being so close together, it's important that we don't we don't risk players and and if we can have you know a fully fit squad bar to Yerry Mina um, on Thursday, then then so be it. But yeah, I think I think obviously if if Hamez is back fit, Tom Davis, who's been there as I said before, being pivotal in recent weeks, I still think he's been absolutely excellent. Um, Seamus Coleman back in amongst the squad, you know, with Pickford is is injured and he's he's carrying that that ankle injury, then Olsen, if he's fit, will will come back in. I think I think we should have should have far too much. Look, looking at their side, I mean, a lot of names there I don't even even recognise to be honest with you. I'm, I'm not even I'm not paid close attention to West Brom this season, but it doesn't look a particularly 
particularly fantastic outfits. But as we saw at Goodison Park, they've got pace on the counter. They can do a bit of damage. It's just how how we want to set up and how we want to approach the game. But we, we should, we should. If football was played on paper, we go and win the game 3 or 4 nil. But unfortunately, it's not. But we should have far too much for them. And I only see only see an Everton win. And I'm going to, I'm going to kick off the uh, prediction with a, a little 2-0 for Everton, I think. I think we're going to see Gutierrez back again. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin back on the on the score sheet. Garrett's prediction? Uh, I'm going to be optimistic. I'm, I'm going to go 3-0. I, I just think if, if we can get another early goal and, and force them to come out a little bit more, their back line really lacks pace. They're not bad. You know, you know their, their back line is set up to defend deep. Um, and if we kind of, you know, have to try and find a way through, it could be diff- uh, difficult. And you look at what Brighton did, you know, they, you said they had, you know, 70% possession. They had a lot of the ball. But other than the two penalties, they didn't have that many clear-cut chances. I mean, they missed a couple. But um, if we get another early goal um, and, and force them to even just come out a little bit, I, I think we can, we can get behind uh, get behind them and, and, you know, really start to make it a game. Uh, so I'm going to go 3-0. Nate? All depends. I, I agree. All depends on an early goal. I think they'll, I think Sam will really sit off to start, potentially, um, and, and try and get us, you know, break us down, see what you've got. I think it could be one of those games. It could be 0-0 for a while, potentially, and try and, try and nick one. The first goal is certainly vital in this game, definitely. Um, so it'll either be what Gareth just said there, get an early goal, they'll come out and we'll pick them off, or um, it'll be a tight game. So I'm, I'm going to go 1-0. One 1-0, nil. One nil, but we'll take it. Any win we'll take. Let's, let's get ourselves back in those Champions League places, even if it's only, only momentarily. But certainly important that we, we keep the, the winning, run, winning run going. Uh, but, to, but to round off this week's show, we, we've asked Gareth to bring his... It's getting the top bin subject. We don't know what it is. Um, so far, since we've been doing this, we, we've lashed in the BC Sport commentators and also my pick, which absolutely drives me nuts. And people use it against me quite often the following week, actually, is when people refer to players by the full name when they have a good game, i.e. Jordan, Lee Pickford. That's the tweet, that kind of stuff. So that, that, that grates on me massively. <laughs> I can't stand it. So people stop tweeting me. It's not funny anymore. It was funny the first week. It's not funny anymore. Gaggis, <laughs> throw, throw, throw something our way. Man, you're talking about BT sport commentators are just, just made me almost change my mind because I will say uh, the stuff that talk sport posts on Twitter is just absolute <laughs> nonsense. But um, the idea that I had uh, coming into today is, you know, I'm a big fan of Twitter. I use Twitter a lot um, and I love, you know, I've, I've been really connected with, uh, the Everton community on Twitter, but like those anonymous football Twitter accounts where, you know, all their, their AVIs is like a picture of their favorite player in like the training garms with like the neck warmer and a beanie. And then they're, you know, uh, lethal Greenwood or whatever. And they just, it, and they think they know all this about football and whatnot. And it, some of the stuff I see on Twitter, I'm just like, Oh my goodness, you've got to be kidding me. Um, so I, I'm going to say, yeah, those anonymous football Twitter accounts, get in the bin, mate. Get in the bin. <laughs> when, when, I was, when I was thinking about what I was going to bring to the table the other week, that was one of the things that crossed my mind, because you see quite often these, these accounts pop up, and they always play the part of FT. Now, I think I, I did have a little look. It means football Twitter, 
apparently. Yep. So correct me if I'm wrong. You know, I'm, I'm no expert on this, but you do see these uh, these accounts pop up. And what, and what they like to do is they, they like to, they're all part of this one community. And I think the aim is to get as many followers as they possibly can. And then they always say, you're just being bad, bad Twitter's from the start again. So what they do is you follow people. They get follows back. They then unfollow people to then look like this. Yes. Massively, massively. <laughs> and then that's how it goes. And it's just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. It's, it's something which which massively, massively drives me nuts. And we, I don't think we've got we've got many within sort of our Twitter community. I'd see the odd the odd one. There's um, a few. There's, I, a, I there's to, a few. Yeah, I tend to stay clear personally. What what, what are your thoughts, Lee? Are you, are you uh, have you seen much of this on on your Twitter? Or are you all are you all fantasy Premier League accounts? No, no, mate. I, it drives me mad as well. It absolutely drives me mad. I mean, some 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 people on Twitter in general just drive me mad. Anyway, I mean, they just haven't got a clue what they're talking about, or they just try and be provocative just for the sake of it. Um, and then, like you said, they, you don't have a clue who they are. They just act, they, they get into they get into literally squabbles with people, deliberately wind people up. It drives drives me absolutely mad. I mean, on a wider point, the sooner Twitter actually gets to the gets to the stage where People have to physically ID themselves before they create an account. We'll be in a better place in the, in society in general, to be honest, because oh, obviously yeah. you know there's a lot of hatred that can be incited through Twitter from people like that. You know, and you haven't got a clue who they are, and they're not accountable to anybody, are they? Um, mm-hmm. So you know, no wonder they get banned. Uh, you know, every so often as well. But um, no, yeah, that 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 does that drives me absolutely absolutely mad as well. Uh, and also on that note, people are at at players as well. That actually, you know, if they've had maybe a poor game for their own team and the app players, and we saw one with Richarlison today, didn't some was it was it United fan, Mike? Was it? I couldn't see it. Someone added him, didn't they? Saying like Richarlison's, yeah. Richarlison's like, what is he? A bitch rolling round all the time, and he's just put thanks. He'll he'll he will. What did he say? He will probably look at this because he he actually he, he searches. Yeah. His own yes. Game. Yes. Yeah. I think that's the exact tweet that made me think of this last yeah. night. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it, it, I think it was it was a Southampton fan actually. Richardson is such a massive whiny crying bitch, and you'll probably read this because he yeah. searches up his own. Richardson responded right with a picture of him scoring a goal, saying, "Thanks, thanks." Brilliant, <laughs> Brilliant. great response. Great did response. you see the yeah, one? Did you see? Did you see what he was doing after the after the derby? Where you know there was a bunch of you know the Liverpool fans obviously for some reason think he's some horrible guy, horrible guy because you know he made one bad challenge on Thiago, right? Which is very unlike him. We know. What he does for uh, not only the the Everton community but also back home in Brazil and whatnot. He's I mean he's a great lad, right? Yeah, um, great but you know all these all these copites slagging him off on Twitter. And he just responds with the the screenshot of him celebrating his goal, sticking his tongue out at the cop. And it's just <laughs> top level shithousery. It, it, it's just yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, he's he's, he's great. And he, but I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to kick the uh, the old um, football Twitter account into the top end, that's for sure. Lee, are you enjoying me with that? Yeah, all in, mate. All in, 100%. All in, 100%. Absolutely love it. Um, and before before we finish, I, I said I mentioned this. Someone got in touch with us uh, last week in between the derby and the, the game um, against against Southampton. And it was actually on, on Facebook. And we, we do use Facebook as a, as a, as a podcast, but... You know, it's it's a lot of the Instagram stuff goes on there and and the other other posts, but Twitter's our main medium. But he got in touch. It was a a gentleman. I just need to find his name one second. A gentleman by the name of Chris White, and Chris Chris basically operates the the Berry Toffees Supporters Club. So 
Everton Supporters Club, um, all affiliated since 2019. And you just basically said, can we give them a, a, bit, a little bit of a push and a shout out? They're trying to get, obviously get a bit, bit more of a, of a following, get more, more Everton fans on board. He's stressed you haven't got to be, be living within sort of Greater Manchester. You've got fans from down south and, and uh, up north and, and so on. And they meet up before games, obviously, when they can attend, uh, attending various pubs together. They have various uh, special special Everton nights put on as well. So great community to be involved with. So Chris, Chris White it is on, on, uh, on Facebook. He said, if you just search up the, um, the Berry Toffees, then you will, you'll find them. You'll find them on Facebook. So get, get involved. It's the Berry Toffees supporters club. I found them myself. Brilliant. You know, the, the more communities that we can bring together, as we said before, with the American Toffees, how, how massive that community is now. The supporters clubs over here play a huge part in, in Everton culture and folklore and obviously go with as many games as they can so search them up on, on Facebook the very, uh, very Toffee Supporters Club and, and start interacting with, with more Blues uh, but, but Garrett great to have you on the show today absolutely absolutely brilliant chat uh, and you are welcome anytime when, whenever Pete is, uh, is doing any more modelling shoots on, uh, on Crosby Beach <laughs> thank, thank you so much for having me really enjoyed this yeah let, let me know when, when he's uh, out there in joining Mick in his speedo and I uh, will be more than happy to, uh, to chat. Yeah, mate. Great to have you on, man. Great to have you on. And next time you come over, hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll catch up for a drink. Oh, that would, that sounds fantastic. As you said off here, we, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go on tour ourselves when this is all over. We're going to, we're going to take over America as a podcast, go from coast to coast. So we, we'll catch up with all our, There'll be our thousands lining up for you lads. I'm sure. I'm sure. Especially we've got we've got our speedos on. That's for sure. That's for sure. Well, we need <laughs> to do, mate. For... We need to we need to, we need to time it for pre-season and go to Burning Man in our speedos, mate. That's what we need to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, sort of look forward to put it put it in your calendars. But we'll um we'll be back at the weekend before we uh before the Chelsea game to look back at, at the West Brom game and look ahead to a pivotal night at a or pivotal game at Stamford Bridge on the Monday. So we'll catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.